to Restoration Basics. This is the preparatory podcast where myself and two others who we call ourselves the followers of Haggith, who were exceedingly <laughs> curious. Hey, guys, Haggith was a big part of the Book of Mormon. He was really curious and he built a ship. You can read all about him in the last chapter of Alma. We'll um, get there. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Um, Haggith is my hero. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, guys. Uh, my name is Samuel Jordison. I'm joined with two others. You can say your names if you like or you don't like. I don't like. That's Andrew Smith. Jason Kane. And Jason Kane. And we're going through the Book of Mormon chapter kind of by chapter. Sometimes we pile the chapters up together, which is what we're doing today. But um, just kind of interactive type study where we talk about the things that we're reading. If you want to read the chapter before you listen or, you know, you don't have time in your day to read the scriptures, which is a bad excuse. Um, <laughs> but you want some sort of spiritual talk. Um, we're happy to be um, here talking. But we do encourage comments, questions, um, criticisms, as long as they're kind, not directed at me. <laughs> we're always looking for other criticisms. Um, but yeah. Feel free to join along. We are in 2 Nephi chapter 5 and 6 today in three sentences. Uh, Jason, tell me what these chapters are about. Jacob rallying the troops and giving these people hope. And yeah, I forgot how many sentences or words you told me to say. But. <laughs> that's all right. That's, yeah. That works. Yeah. So it's 2 Nephi still, but uh, Jacob took the pen. Jacob took the mic and he's beginning to speak. Interestingly enough. He says, uh, starts it off saying, you know, I was been ordained in the last chapter. We read that um, they, him and his brother were ordained priests or teachers. So he is one of those offices, either a priest or teacher. And he said that Nephi gave him the words which he's going to speak to the people today. And so we're not going to spend too much time here in chapter five. We're going to try to jump into chapter six. And the reason for that is Jacob here is retelling a sermon um, that Nephi told that re Nephi retold from the book of Isaiah back in first Nephi. So we actually have an episode on that already. So we covered that. That was Nephi's words, which can be found in first Nephi and also in Isaiah 48 and 49. And a lot of this chapter is in Isaiah 48, 49, but spills over into 50 and 51. So I'm going to just ask Andrew what his first thoughts were. Uh, reading this chapter and what he kind of got from it. I loved how uh, there's some consistency within the family. And you could see that in the way that Lehi lived his life, Nephi has lived his life. And now Jacob is taking up the the uh, ownership of, of of the work, I guess, is that um, there's some consistency there. And, and it's because of the consistency of their God. It's not because of oh, a family trait, because Laman and Lemuel obviously didn't get that trait. So... Um, you know, I, I just, I just really like seeing how, how God is consistent through, through generations, through different people and, and situations. And I, I like how that's played out in these couple chapters as well. Yeah. So, uh, starting off Jacob quoting Isaiah here, and then he's telling the people, giving the people a little context, something to keep in mind here though, is Jacob never grew up in Jerusalem. He was born in the wilderness to his father and his mother. And here he's talking about Jerusalem. He's talking to the people and he said that, you know, the Lord showed him that Jerusalem, that city that our father and brothers came from um, is destroyed. And the people have been slain, carried away, carried captive. 
And the Lord actually showed him that the day will come when they will be gathered back in, that the Lord will come down and manifest himself. And they're going to scourge him, crucify him. They're going to kill the Lord. And then they're going to harden their hearts again. And, you know, they're going to be smitten and scourged across all the earth. And Jacob begins to tell the people the role the Gentiles will have in Zion, in the work of that God has, but also the, the work of they, a uh, branch off the house of Israel will have, and you, their people. For behold, and if it so be that they shall Jews. repent so the and fight not against Zion, and do not unite themselves to that great and abominable church, they shall be saved. And I just thought that when we look at our lives, sin's not easy to see. Sometimes it is. Sometimes the sin is very easy to see. And we can, you know, when we, before we take the Lord's Supper, there's always sins that, you know, we're like, ah, you know, I need to repent of that and I need to stop doing it. But sometimes there's things that don't um, make it obvious. And I guess I just posed the question to you guys. What's something that would, that you would see someone uniting with the great and abominable church? If, if what would be a clue in their lives if, if they would see that happening? I worded that kind of weird, but you guys got your thoughts on that? Well, when I think of the great and abominable church, it's kind of, I'm thinking of earthly desires and goals of the natural man, which is said to be an enemy of God. And so I'd say if you're looking at yourself, then you should look to see if you are valuing the things of uh, this natural world above those of Christ. And and just what, what do you actually care about? Where do you spend your time? Where's your heart at? Just to jump right off that, and I I could say the same thing is that um, just a, a different vein, I guess, is that um, I think a clue for most people would be that you just think of yourself less. You know, um, when when I think of the great and abominable churches, I think of the great and spacious building um, and how they they have some similarities there. They're gonna uh, be in direct opposition to those people who are trying to do what God is doing. Just like in Lehi's vision, how um, they were opposing forces and how the people in that building were were thinking about what is good for number one, who what is what's good for me, myself and I and, and nobody else really matters. God's people are always going to be thinking about how can I serve? How can I help others? How can I spread his love to, to people who are in need? And so uh, I think a, a clue or a a red flag to warn you, I guess, uh, of you going uh, near the wrong path towards that abominable church is that you're thinking of yourself just a little bit too much, not not getting God's righteousness in there enough, you know? Yeah, I like that. I think, Jason, what you said, and, and Andrew, also what you said, what stuck out to me was... Um, fight not against Zion if they shall not that they shall not fight against Zion and and we know in the last day that there's going to be Zion back on the earth and there is going to be people fighting against it that the Lord is going to protect that city and you're either going to be in Zion you're going to be traveling to Zion to seeking refuge or you're going to be fighting against actively trying to destroy it however we as a church have been called to establish the cause of Zion and the cause of Zion how I understand it is what um lays the foundation what kind of brings that city back down and that would be the kingdom of god in, in it's not a physical place but that spiritual state that we're living in that that we're following the laws god has set for us to live in that kingdom and i think about how i fight against zion every day when i make 
wrong decisions or when I make sin, sinful decisions. And, you know, it's, it's easy to say, no, I'm not a part of the great and abominable church or, you know, I'm not a part of that organization or that, you know, whore of all the earth. But, um, but I do make decisions that kind of fight against, not kind of, that do fight against Zion and being a light to others every day in the world. And that's kind of, we're going to get into that, I think, here, because my next scripture uh, morphs into that. And if you want to jump in, my next scripture is in verse 82, if you guys have anything before that. Yeah, mine's uh, really the only note I have from chapter 5 is is in verse 21. And it's really small, but I, I it, it jumps out to me and it's really important to me, I think. Um, and it's something the restoration and Christianity can really learn from, I think, in my opinion. And I think in my opinion, it's kind of redundant, but regardless. Um, in my opinion, everyone should follow the Lord Jesus Christ, be baptized, and we're good. It's <laughs> a good opinion. <laughs> Thank you. If more people had that opinion, we'd be in our purpose. <laughs> All right. So verse 21, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. And, you know, I think about today, I think about, you know, I read this verse and I thought about being in Chick-fil-A, the Christian restaurant up in the Midwest. And <laughs> Those carbs thought, don't count against you. That's right. That, that's the Lord's chicken right there. Um, <laughs> I thought about being in Chick-fil-A and a very, what you would, what, what you would consider safe Christian environment and how many people would be maybe not ashamed, but want to, and maybe not hide, lessen people's viewing of your of your praying for a meal. How many times have we gone mm-hmm. to a restaurant and and said, uh, yeah, I could fold my hands and close my eyes and bow my head and, and, and do the things that we normally do while praying, or I could just be normal and close my eyes and no one would know that I'm praying, but I'm still praying, so it's not a big deal. And I, I just thought about that really fast, and because it, it's it's really not a big deal, you know. At, at the end all, you know that it's not that God's like, oh, you didn't you didn't pray with your hands folded that one time at Chili's, so you're good. You're not yeah. going to heaven. <laughs> that was the one thing. You didn't <laughs> check out the, the list. Thing. Um, but I think it's important that that. There's a turning point in our lives and some of us, and I won't say I've, I've gone there because I'm not, I, I am definitely, I err on the side of maybe hiding, maybe, um, being a little bit too timid with my faith, but I think there's a turning point that we all need to reach. And it comes when we know that our God is the Lord. And, and that gives us such confidence that we won't be ashamed of him in whatever circumstance we're in. And, that's so important for the world we are or we are living in right now because there is pain left and right and there's confusion left and right and there is there are people who are hurt left and right and they need to know that there is a place for them and they're only going to know that if we aren't ashamed of what we have because what we have can can we yeah. agree that what we have is is useful to those people oh for sure yeah so uh I mean, the only way they don't get it is if we don't give it to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just love that, how how it comes hand in hand. If you know that your God is the Lord, then you are not going to be ashamed of the gospel. I mean, Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's the point of the good news of the gospel. It's supposed to be good news to share with people. And 
And so I, I just love how that brings it out. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about that well, more. I think it's funny that, and I don't want to, you covered it perfectly. And what can I add? But it's so weird to me that it's the little things like that, like, you know, praying in public with my head back. If someone came up to ask me and, and said, you know, what do you believe? I'd have no problem telling them, oh, I believe in Jesus. Like, what's your church believe? I would, you know, I feel like I'd be ready to go. Maybe not on that particular question, because I'd try and fumble around and then you never have a good answer for what church do you belong <laughs> belong to. Sometimes it seems that you gotta, gotta be ready, but it's those little things like that when you're like, oh, am I, you know, like no one asked me, like, I don't know, you know, what? Am I hiding my faith? Yeah. Right. And, and, I th and I think it comes down to the definition of integrity is that you do the right thing even when no one's watching. And and the the biggest part I think about that for me is that Satan tempts me and says, nobody's watching. Why does it matter yeah. what you do? Well, maybe it, maybe no one is watching, but who cares? Do, mm -hmm. do what, I don't know, yeah. you know? Do it anyway. Pray in secret anyway, you know, <laughs> commanded to. <laughs> it's true. Do both. <laughs> but don't be afraid to pray in public. Yeah. Well. No. Well, that's like if, if <laughs> yeah. no one's watching yeah, you, yeah, you're yeah. private and you're like, all right, well, I guess I have to pray now, too. Um, no, that's a good that's a good point. And uh, just moving through the chapter. The next part that stood out to me is verse 82. And I wanted to ask you guys again, you know, flip it to you. The, the first part of this verse is. Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness. And uh, and what does it mean to you to know righteousness? Well, when we were in Kenya, we talked about this in uh, maybe not the last episode, but the one before this, uh, before th that one, uh, the previous one. <laughs> the that, Kenya episode. <laughs> long story short, yes, that one. <laughs> um, is that we did a station where we talked about the armor of God. And my station was the breastplate of righteousness. Lucky enough. And um, we talked about what righteousness was. And uh, most people got it and really easy. I mean, like I asked, hey, what what do you think righteousness is? And they were like, well, doing the right thing. And yeah, that's exactly what it, I mean. It's, it's all it is, doing the right thing. And so when it comes down to it, it says, ye that know righteousness. I mean, the people in whose heart I have written my, my law He's saying the same thing twice, like right in a row. I mean, it's that, it's that, uh, oh shoot. What's the, the, the way Jewish people. Chiasm. Yeah. The chiasms, uh, not just Jewish people, but it's how. Writing style. Right. Yeah. The writing style they used. It. But it's chiastic just in, in the form of it's, it's kind of leading it in with this definition, I guess, of righteousness or the, the concept of righteousness and then the definition right after, but he's talking about the same things right in right row. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. And the reason I just asked the first part is because I think the answer is in the second part of that verse. The oh, people, sorry, I skipped, I skipped, <laughs> no, that's, that's perfect. The, train. the people in whose heart have I written my lot, which brings me to a cross reference scripture I want to bring up. And since Jason pawned the other answer off on him, I'm going to ask him, you ever heard of the new covenant, Jason? I don't know. Have I? <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good covenant. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's actually pretty easy to remember because it's two place. It's found in two places of the scriptures. Um, and get this: the reference is Jeremiah thirty one thirty one, or Hebrews eight eight. And uh, this was I was sitting under. I shouldn't say sitting under, but I was taught this by a friend and a, a mentor that I really respect. And you know, I was talking to him, and this kept coming up. 
no new covenant. I was like, I don't really understand that. It's like, oh, I got, I got you. Cause this was something that the patriarch Viral Cornish used to talk about all the time. And, um, he taught him this. So in Jeremiah 31, 31, um, the Lord is speaking, um, through Jeremiah. And again, it's written in Hebrews eight, eight, but says, behold, the day come saith the Lord that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So this is, this is interesting because we just got, or we're not even done reading, um, Jacob's words where he's quoting Isaiah speaking to the house of Israel, to the people of Judah, the house of Judah. And the Lord says in Jeremiah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. So not, not the previous covenant, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And the covenant he's making with them or the law that they're um, getting to follow being in their hearts um, is Christ and living up to what I would, what I read in there is the celestial law of that law written on your hearts. It just who is who you are. Christ is who you have are bearing testimony of at all times. And so Jacob here quoting Isaiah is hearken unto me, he that know righteousness, the people in whose heart have I written my law, you know, they don't necessarily have the law written down on, on plates in front of them. They just know it and they're following it because they're acting like Christ would act in every situation. And that's how I kind of view that view. Now, someone may say you're wrong or you're missing a lot of information that could also be true. Yeah. But, and on, on the point of the covenant, it specifically says like a few verses after what we talked about earlier. For the Lord God will fulfill his covenants, which he has made unto his children. And for this cause, the prophet has written these things. Um, and then it goes on to say, basically, that these people who are waiting on the Lord and have that in their hearts, they're not going to be destroyed. And verse 38 says, and none will he destroy that believe in him. Mm -hmm. And so that's just kind of a extra point on this uh, covenant that we have. I've never thought about it this way before, but, um, you know, when, when you just read that, it made me think of, this might sound a little silly, but Toy Story with uh, Woody and Buzz having Andy written on their foot. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, how did they prove that they were Andy's toys? Because they lifted up their foot and they, and they saw Andy's signature. Especially in Toy Story 2. When there's the fake buzz. That's right. And exactly. they're like, hey, I got this Andy on my, my that's, foot. That's right. So and the, they know that they're safe. They could distinguish between the two, you know? And and that's exactly how, I mean, we have two options. We're going to be the fake buzz or we're going to be the real buzz with that Andy on our foot. And and when we lift our foot, is it going to say Andy? Is, there again, is it going to be brand new paint? You I hope here. it doesn't yeah. say Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Mine doesn't, but <laughs> you heard it anyway. here, folks. Disney teaches the celestial law. <laughs> no, not really. sometimes maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> not on purpose yeah. and not for a lot of things. Uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, it, it's just important that like, like you're saying, I mean, the, I, I'm saying the same thing and yeah. couldn't say it, I guess in, an, in a better way, but it's just that, um, writing it on your hearts is a distinguishing thing, but it's also 
how people can tell who you are, you know, and it's, it's not that your heart is an inside part that nobody sees. What you do is a reflection on that heart. And so because of your actions, they'll know that, oh, I recognize that that name that's written on his heart because the words and the and the love I'm feeling from him, I know or, or her that 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 name is on their heart is Jesus Christ and and so it's just so important that we we yearn for that name to be on our hearts. Yeah, I really like these next few verses of it just talking about um, how righteousness lasts longer than. You know, physical things and like in 84, it says for the moth shall uh, eat them up like a garment and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever and my salvation from generation to generation. And so it's just this righteousness is kind of the thing you want to embrace and side with because it's something that will last forever and all eternity. Hmm. Do you guys have any other thoughts on chapter five before we jump on over to chapter six? I didn't have any other notes on that, but you know, we might have one listener who just loves verse one eleven or something. I don't know. I chose a random <laughs> number in there. That Thou hast laid thy body as the ground, and as the street to them that went over. So it's in there. If your favorite verse is one eleven, we did. We didn't skip it. Um, just for you, listener twenty four. <laughs> <laughs> um, but moving on, just to chapter six. This is Jacob. He, he finishes quoting Isaiah that was that was ended up in chapter 51, right, of Isaiah. If you want to read Isaiah's words directly from Isaiah there in chapter 51 of Isaiah. But Jacob doesn't spend too long um, quoting them because he's got more of his sermon to preach directly to his people. And so he, he breaks the quote and he starts talking. Um, explaining a little bit, he basically says, you know what this means, this this past message means that the Lord is going to use the Gentiles, that the Lord is going to use the Jews, the Lord is going to use us as a branch of the house of Israel, how righteousness is important and how we need to build up, you know, the kingdom of God in our lives. And, and the first verse I have written down in my notes is, uh, for it behooveth the great creator that he suffereth himself to become subject unto men in the flesh. And die for all men. And now listen, to this is so, I think it's so poetic because here's the great creator becoming subject unto man in the flesh to die for all men that all men might become subject unto him. So you talk about subject unto him. There is, again, a roundabout way of mentioning the kingdom of God and, and what it is. And, and you have a king who has subjects, right? People underneath him that are following his laws. And that was the reason for for Christ to go to the cross and to preach all the time he was here. It was the kingdom of God. And it kind of explains going on um, what what the plan is from the beginning. He says God had a plan. And I don't have it written down here. But uh, 19, he says, oh, the wisdom of God. But before that, he's explaining you know, what the resurrection and the role that that has to play. And the fall came by reason of transgression. Because of man, man became fallen. They were cut off from the presence of the Lord, but the Lord had a plan to bring them back. That plan required something infinite, you know, the the sacrifice that Christ could provide. And then it kind of goes into um, the plan that God has for salvation for the world and salvation of man in general. 
Do you guys have any notes on that or thoughts on that? I love how that's intertwined with a theme and uh, in a, in a word that's repeated several times in this chapter, and that's restoration. And um, we call ourselves the restoration as the church, but there's the restoration of the Jews. There's the restoration of Zion to the earth. There's the restoration of so many things. Uh, but there's mo- most importantly, the restoration of our, our presence with God. Uh, let's not forget that the end goal is for us to be with him at the end. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, I mean, that's the, it's the whole point of being restored. We're not being restored so that we can be mediocre. We're being restored so that we can be in the presence of God. And, and I think that's something we glaze over a little bit sometimes. So we restore the gospel and, and the priesthood and the ordinances. And those are fantastic, but those are tools to get us to the presence of God. And, and if we overlook anything, um, if we overlook the end goal or if we overestimate the worth of those tools, um, we were just talking uh, on a restoration uh, gospel podcast with Mike Barrett and Sam had mentioned how how it's important to, he had just gotten a hammer for Christmas and he says the work that the hammer is doing isn't uh, less important than the hammer, you know, mm-hmm. or it yeah. isn't. Yeah, isn't less important than the hammer. And you can't look to that hammer and say, wow, this is the best thing in the world and then ignore the job that it needs to do because that's that's what the church is. It's it's that hammer. It needs to do something. It's here for a purpose and it's not here for us to hang up on the wall and say, wow, look at this great present God gave us. And I mean, that'd be like burying our talent in the ground, right? And what does he do? He says, he's wicked and slothful servant. Why slothful, you, the slowest man, of all the tree creatures. We do not want to be that creature. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to kick no, you off. No, no, I, I was ending. But it, pretty much just that, that um, he's restoring us to something fantastic. And, and it's paramount that, that we not overlook that, you know? Yeah. Well, Jacob even... He, he kind of exclaims that because he says, how great the goodness of our God who prepareth a way for our escape from the grasp of this awful monster. Talking about the adversary and the devil and and how the wicked, the wicked spirits that left God in the beginning, you know, want us to be like them and want us to be in misery. Um, you know, how great it is that God rescued us from that, that fate. Um, Jason, do you have any thoughts on the resurrection or... The role that we were talking about salvation earlier before the podcast, just a little bit. So I don't mean to just, you know, because Andrew, you had some good points earlier, too. But this is really Jacob preaching on salvation, I think, and the end, the end goal of salvation, um, because he preached about when he's talking about Isaiah, he was talking about kind of the earthly salvation of, you know, don't fight against Zion because, you know, it's going to come down and there's going to be a spot for those people who are righteous. They're going to be preserved and now he's saying but guess what there's eternal ramifications it's not just a temporal salvation it's an eternal salvation so now even after i asked you that question i went on for 10 minutes but do you have thoughts on on the resurrection and the role that that we had to play and that god has planned out for us well i was just looking at uh some of the earlier verses about like 12 13 mainly 13 uh and the fall came by reason of transgression and because man became fallen they were cut off from the presence of the lord wherefore it must needs be an infinite atonement uh, save it should be an infinite atonement this corruption could not put on incorruption 
And so this just goes to show that I personally think, you know, this is talking about you know the fall of man in general, but it also is kind of a theme that we can go off of when we're talking about restoration of when we are in iniquity and we are fallen, we are fallen because of transgression. And so this resurrection is necessary to bring us to Christ, just like Andrew was saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so important because there's something that Jacob talks about after he says, you know, after we've died, um, death and hell must deliver up their dead. And then paradise is going to restore their dead. And then he says, man, with this knowledge of, of that they've been given in this time, which is so important. We were talking about this before, you know, you have this just God and he's going to bring those people back. And then with that new knowledge, they're going to be judged. Then, you know, if you didn't grow up hearing the gospel or are knowing anything about it, you're not going to spend eternity. You're going to be taught and shown what life is like without the Lord and, and his mercy and his just. And then, you know, with this knowledge, you're going to be judged. It's not a. It's not a, oh, you were bad. You know, you did 51 bad acts in your life and 49 good. Gone you are forever yeah. or or anything like that. Um, he He's saying in verse 34, we shall have a perfect knowledge of all our guilt and our uncleanliness and our nakedness. And the righteous shall have a perfect knowledge of their enjoyment and their righteousness being clothed with purity, even with the robe of righteousness. And then when men have passed from this death unto life, then they must appear before the judgment seat of God and God's going to, you know, they're going to stand in front of their maker, their creator. And, and there you have a righteous God. There you have a loving God who's doing everything in his power to say, this is your life. This is your soul without me involved. Come back to me. Just like you're talking about restoring us back to him. He wants us back with him. Yeah. I just had a thought. What do you, do you think that with this perfect knowledge with judgment that we'll just immediately once we have this perfect knowledge we'll know exactly where we're going to end up like judgment's almost not a thing it's like it's not jesus going through all of our sins and everything and being like well now that i've gone through all of this this is where you're going to end up it's more of like a you just would know already because you have this perfect knowledge you know everything of which you have done wrong uh, and all of the righteousness which you have done I'd never really thought of that before. And so it could be something totally wrong, but I just thought it was an interesting thought to throw in there. Sam can jump in here too. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I definitely think that it won't be a surprise. And and it, and it comes because um, I think we think of those places it we, we go to after we are judged for eternal judgment as physical places. Um, but if you think of them as spiritual conditions in which we can receive only what we are able, we'll know what we're able to receive. I mean, we'll, we'll know if we can handle the presence of God when you're standing in front of God and you're shrinking before his presence and you're like, no, I can't handle this. You'll, I mean, you'll know that you're not, you're not going to be in celestial glory. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's not what you can handle. It's not what you want. It's, it'd be eternal torture for you to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so in God's mercy, he'll create a place or he has created a place for you to be and 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 so yeah i, I don't think that's going to be a surprise at all i don't know what no i i i agree because the way i understand it and this is a weird word to use it, it doesn't capture the magnet you know the the true expression but like comfortable like 
where you are comfortable, which is so weird. You know, you know, we think of comfort in a big lazy boy or whatever, but I'm not comfortable in, in the presence of the Lord. And, and you are going to know because with that knowledge and with that decision, you can either, you know, grab onto that and say, this is not what I want with my, with my knowledge. I know I do not want this anymore. Or you're going to say, I, I, I like being further away from this. I like the discomfort. And so there's going to be people who choose, um, you know, he never takes away our agency. That's something he gave us. And there are going to be people who just, yeah. So I, I, that is an interesting thought that, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be like, Oh, you're waiting after you've yeah, made it's not your a choice. Trial. You're like, it's just like, this is what you can take. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know. It, it's sad to think that some people won't respond to that in a positive manner. But I also, from what I know of it and what I know of humans is I think a lot of us will, once we know if you've never been taught and you do find out, it'll be just, you know, the greatest thing ever to know about this God who loves you and wants the best for you and wants to be with you. And I think a lot, a lot of people will, will choose him, which is why he worked into the plan from the beginning. He wants his creation to be with them. And, and even those people who never got the chance they're included in that group he wants to be restored. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's not, he doesn't want just the people of Israel to be restored to his presence. He he wants all of creation to be restored to his presence. And so that's that's why it's so, so important for everyone to reason out in their minds, is God a just God? Is he a fair God? Well, if so, then he's going to give us all at least one opportunity, at least one opportunity. And... He is that God of forgiveness. And so we know we get many more opportunities than that. But at least we get one chance for him to show us the worth of his love. And and so there will be no one left out, no one unjustly dealt with. And I, I just love that. Yeah, that's what my wife, Amanda, always says when we get into this topic. It's just like, I know God is a just God and everyone is going to be where they deserve to be. And it's not a like you're going to be in a certain place where you're like, man, I really want to be with God. You're going to be exactly where you're supposed to be and where you want to be. Yeah, exactly yeah, where right. you want yeah. to be. And, and and so, yeah, like you have you can take such comfort in knowing that if you do your job, God's going to do his job and you're our not, job is not judgment. So you're not going to be eternally disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a relief when I thought that. Yeah. <laughs> we have a friend and he always uses this analogy for the, the end time, you know, that going off of the last episode and, and the analogy of soccer, um, if you had a team that scored 98 goals amazingly in one soccer game and the other team score, you know, Let's say as a high score, I don't know how this would work, but 40 goals. I should have used football. Sorry. We're going to have to depart from the soccer and we're going to a different sport. But, you know, one team scores 98 points and the other team scores 40. Well, in what world did the team that scored 40 win besides the world of golf? You know, it's and and the Lord, he created seven over what is it, seven billion people in the world right now. Yeah. So, you know, you go back thousands of years and there's more than. Seven billion, you at know, least, what, yeah, at least seven and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, what, what God would create 10 billion people. We know that he is the winner in the end, that the scriptures have written that he has the victory in the end. 
what type of victory would it be if he only, you know, talking about the church, if he got all 2,500 of us, so, you know, yeah. that out of that's not a God that came out on, on top. He had it worked into the plan, you know, that, that these people would be back with him and it is where they're comfortable, but there's a salvation for them. It's not a pit of misery and despair that popular Christian beliefs like to push or that even, you know, pop culture today likes to push. It's, it's a loving God and, and he has a plan for salvation. There's going to be, there's going to be some, but I think it's, well, I shouldn't say some because again, we're not supposed to judge, but I think it's a lot smaller number that is going to choose no than what God has. Cause he's the victor in the end. And even those people are getting what they want. Yeah. And, and that's what's important that, uh, again, there's going to be no eternal disappointment. You are going to be in a place where you want to be, where you're comfortable, like we talked about. And for some people, unfortunately, that, that zone of comfort may be the pit of fire. And that that sucks. Mm. I mean, it's that that's bad. But that's what they want. I mean, that's what they, they, they've chosen. That's what they want. And so... Uh, well, in verse 45 here... This is my next note. It says, sorry, not this, but this goes along right with yeah. your point. It says, and he come into the world that they, that he may save all men if they will hearken unto his voice. And you can say, well, not everyone's going to get to hearken unto his voice. You know, like there's kids halfway across the world who will never, like I'll never get to talk to that are growing up in a, you know, different culture, different religion, never hear the name of Jesus. But this, just before he said, all men are going to be restored to a knowledge you know, they're going to know. So they're going to hear the voice. They're going to have that chance to, you know, take on and say this God that I now know, and I have that understanding of him. I'm going to be able to, to follow it and hearken that voice and here to save all men. It has the power to save all men. So that's crazy to think about, but I thought that went along right with your point that. Yeah, no. And if you, if you look at what save means it in, in the eternal sense, it just means you get the chance to be where you want. Because without Jesus, we don't get that chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's no way that we, most of the people, 99.9% of people can get where they want because 99.9% of people wouldn't want to get into the lake of fire, right? Mm-hmm. And, but that's where we would all be if if Jesus hadn't come. So, I mean, we're all being saved because we all get that opportunity to be where we need to be. But those people who want to be there, that's where they want to be as well. They don't want to be in God's presence and Jesus has said, I'm going to create a place for you to be that's not with God. And it, so even there being, I mean, saved in a sense, and like he is, he is so loving that his love stretches over everything in the world and it takes over everything in my mind that it doesn't even make you sense anymore. You know, yeah. it, it, he's overcome everything and it's so big that I can't even comprehend it. And if I were a uh, deity creating my own world, creating my own timeline and everything. I never would have thought to create a place where my creation could go if they didn't want to be with me, Mm -hmm. you know, but because he is so loving, because he's so just, because he's so fair, he, he created that place. And, and there's unfortunately a, a bad picture, not that it's a great place, obviously, but there's a bad picture that, most people are going to go there because they have lied one too many times or, you know, the, mm-hmm. the common misconception. But, um, you know, Jesus is victorious and that's what's important. Yeah. 
if you don't have grace and we're going to get into grace a little later, um, an episode or two later, but if you don't have grace, then all of your works and deeds are lined up against what God's standard is. And no one lines up to that. <laughs> and, and so not even close. <laughs> yeah. No. And so you have this grace that just allows you to be, you know, where you should and want to be. And that is amazing that God just provides the right thing for his creation. And it's not about all the works that you've done in your life. You you obviously need to live a righteous life, but it's not like you said, there's not going to be that one extra lie that you lied that's going to send God over the edge. There's There's this grace of Christ allowing you to be in his presence regardless of what you've done. And he just asks in return for you to love him and love him so much that you will follow what he has lined out for you because he loves you so much that if you follow his commandments, then you're going to have the best life you can. Yeah. And just that morphs in perfectly with what I was looking at here. You know, if you follow his commandments, you're going to have the best life you can. Jacob literally just drives, dives into that and he says, if you if you want to be righteous, if you want to, you know, make sure that you're following this wonderful God and his, you know, the laws he set for us, then you're going to need to be baptized in his name. You're going to have have faith in the Holy One of Israel. And, you know, you're going to need to endure to the end um, and you can be in the kingdom of God. And he's given them things they can do here on earth that allow that grace to work through them. And, you know, and then they begin to be going off of what Andrew said, comfortable and or sorry, I guess I said comfortable, but you, you just talked about that. Then they begin to be more comfortable or in a state of more comfort when they are in the presence of the of God. And God is, you know infinitely more powerful, infinitely more loving than we can ever get to um, without the grace of Christ. Even with the grace of Christ, he is infinitely um, more powerful and awesome than we can realize. But having that grace work through us, we get to be a people that have his law written on our hearts, that it's not something that we got, oh, I need to remember to do this because it just becomes natural to us. I'm going to jump in. We got a little bit further and we're not going to spend too much time on baptism. If you're listening, you're like, Man, they didn't spend any time on baptism. Don't worry. Second Nephi chapter 13, I think that's the it's a huge baptism chapter. We'll spend a lot of time, I think, on there talking about baptism. But um, we want to wrap this this chapter up. It's getting getting kind of late. But Jacob begins to, uh, you know, just continues his preaching about salvation and and how God has righteous ideas for us. And, and his paths are righteous And the way of the world and the way of man is destructive. It's it's maybe wide, but. It's not the way you want to go. Um, it's a lot about salvation. And I just, I, I know it's not necessarily written here, but just to wrap us up, we'll spend about five more minutes talking. Before the episode even started recording, we were talking about salvation and how sometimes we in the church are a little bit hesitant to ever say we are saved, you know. Um, Angie, why don't you walk me through that conversation that we had um, in your own words, because you were the one that brought it brought it up and i don't want to i don't want to step on your man this is the second episode in a row where i've been thrown under the bus <laughs> i'm kidding no and and it was it was brought on by some comments that sam actually made a while ago and and there have been some questions he's asked while we've been on some home visits and that is where he's asked people because of popular christian culture where it's where it seems to be popular for people to say oh i'm saved i'm saved and he, he asked them because 
of that, do you think we are hesitant in the restoration to say we are saved? And several people have given us some um, really interesting answers. Um, but I can say in at least my life and, you know, Jason can hop in here with his answer too, because it was a good contribution to the conversation. But at least in my life, yes, I've definitely been hesitant to say that because it's a complicated answer for us. It seems like to say and and Jason, you're. Yeah, I think we're worried about explaining our specific theology to people who ask if we have been saved. Like, what are we saved to? You know, what do you actually mean? Do you mean I just, you know, exclaimed it to the world and it's like, all right, I'm saved now. Is baptism a part of this? Like, but God has given us a very specific plan of salvation. And if we are following that plan, then we can absolutely say that we are saved, especially with baptism and having this covenant with God. You can have this freedom to know that as long as you're following the will of God, you're going to be fine. There, There is a freedom in this salvation and you can you can shout that from the mountaintop, say you're saved because Jesus came to the earth for a specific reason. And that was for the salvation of all mankind. And so there's already been the saving that has happened and he provided this opportunity for us to respond. And so we just have to take it. I have a scripture that I'm looking for really fast from Paul, um, but he says pretty much that it, it's nearing the end of his life. And he says he has an assurance because of the race that has been I run. That's Philippians three. That's what I thought. I was looking at chapter four, actually. So maybe I was just wrong. It's Philippians uh, 12 starts in. Tw- um, well, it depends on where, where you're looking at. But 12, he's basically like, I haven't attained it yet. I'm not already perfect, but. Right. Uh, and and then going down to 16. Whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Let us be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have for us an ensemble. He's saying even if, not even if, yeah, even if you've lived a long life and and we all know we have mistakes daily, even, even by minute, even if you've had all of those mistakes, you can with confidence say at the end of your life i've run that race i have i've finished my course because i know i have given what god has asked of me and it, and it comes by following the commandments um that we've talked about is it's which includes being baptized um uh, which is mentioned as as a precursor to salvation in several places but also in terms of the physical salvation or, or being in part of the kingdom and um and so I, I don't know. I, I I think it's I think it's important, and it's why we brought it up earlier that it's okay to say you're saved. Like Jason was saying, it's it's okay to get on that mountaintop and say, "Hey, Jesus has saved me," because He has. If you're doing the right thing, He has saved you. And if if nothing else, then He saved you from a day yesterday where you were doing bad things, and now today you're doing good things. And if nothing else, then he's saved you from today, you know, and and for most of us, hopefully that that's the least he saved us from. But but he, he has saved us. And so we should have that confidence when we talk to people and people ask us, hey, are you saved? Uh, because he has worked a, a great work in each of our lives. Yeah. 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 And, and that comes to repentance, too, of just 
if you're repenting of your sins, then absolutely. Again, you're saved. You God has saved you from those sins. And now you can just move on and not sin. At least, you know, we're going to sin again, unfortunately, but try and cast off what you had just repented of. And, you know, true repentance is a lifestyle change. So I don't want to cut you off if you're. Nope. Well, I've, I really enjoy our conversation that we just had tonight and. And, and really just being in the scriptures, I, I enjoy the podcast kind of keeps me accountable in reading because I have to <laughs> I have to know what I'm going to talk about, I guess, beforehand. So, um, again, we want to remind you guys, I've forgotten the last two times that Jason's had to add it in after. But uh, we want to remind you guys to leave comments. Um, you can leave them on our Facebook page. You can email us, um, which the link is on our Facebook page to email. And and uh, you can even we found out yesterday that you can even leave us voicemails if you want to, you know, leave some high pitched screaming. We would love some of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and if that happens, then we're able to put those voicemails into the show. And um, to do that, you just go to anchor.fm slash preparatory dash podcast. And that's kind of our landing page where you can uh, access our show either from that site or your favorite streaming platforms. All right. Well, we want to thank you guys for listening. We are looking forward to the episodes to come. We got a really good episode coming up next. I don't know if it'll be the next one put out, if that's the Kenyan episode or or not. But um, we got a guest coming that we're really excited for. And actually, we're going to touch on a little bit of the things we touched on tonight, but more in depth starting to next episode. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.